the Red 78. I just can't believe you've been positive for three weeks in a row. It must have been something I know, that's so I can't out of your mindset. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. I can't believe Available it. every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Off the ball, daily. Welcome to Monday's Rugby Daily. My name is Richie McCormack. On the way, we hear from New England head coach Steve Borthwick, Alan Quinlan on Munster's win at Franklin's Gardens. But first, Ulster are to carry out a full review into Saturday switching of their Heineken Champions Cup meeting with La Rochelle to the Aviva Stadium. The Kingspan Stadium pitch was deemed unplayable on Friday, leading to a decision to move the game to the RDS. However, that Ballsbridge venue became unavailable at the last minute, leading to Ulster leaning on the IRFU to open the Aviva's gates. No fans were allowed inside, save for a small delegation from La Rochelle, with Ulster CEO Johnny Petrie claiming the loss of matchday revenue could amount to €800,000. Speaking after Saturday's 36-29 loss, Ulster head coach Dan McFarland said the decision to move the game to Dublin was wrong. A statement read this afternoon, Ulster will carry out a full review alongside tournament organisers EPCR of the circumstances that led to Saturday's Champions Cup fixture against Stade Rochelet being moved from Kingspan Stadium to behind closed doors at Aviva Stadium. It continued that the team's focus is now firmly on preparing for this weekend's URC fixture with Connacht, so we will not be making any further comments at this time. Ulster had found themselves 29-0 down at halftime on Saturday, but rallied to secure two points from the game. Afterwards, their captain Ian Henderson tried to sum up the match with our Oshin Langan. Incredible frustration for us. Um, first half obviously wasn't the way we wanted it to go. Second half is probably how we wanted to play the game more, but more um, give ourselves a bit more of a territorial advantage. However, um, had, had a chat and, and, and at halftime to discuss what we wanted out of the game and. and Look, fair play to the lads, hats off to them, they came out and they put a performance in the second half. What was said at half-time and what was the difference in the second half? We just, like, we tried to go out that second half, have no baggage, put everything um, put everything to bed that happened in that first half. And and to be fair, I think the most of the lads, they, they did that. They went out there and played like 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 it was a, like a, like it was a new game. Um, the About the first half, look, we shot ourselves in the foot myself included in that with, with several per per displays of discipline and I felt like La Rochelle albeit it looked, didn't look like it in the scoreboard I felt like they they um, didn't feel like they really got on top of us they felt they ticked things over really cleverly they played smart rugby and, and that's how they, they destroyed us in that first half How pleasing is it to have come out and done what you've done in the second half because it wasn't just a case of your this match being on the line. I think it's fair to say your Champions Cup season was on the line and you've kept it alive with your second half performance by responding under the pressure. Yeah, look, we've got a group of guys in there who are, who are incredibly good at what they do. They've, they, they've real belief in each other and, and real belief in, in their own abilities. And I think that's something that, that we talked about at halftime too, to go out and, and do what you're good at. And to be fair to a lot of the players in the second half, they did that. Some 21st birthday for Nathan Doak tonight. What an impact he made when he came on. I thought Nathan Doak was unbelievable. I thought that's probably the, the most mature game I've ever seen him play. The way he managed us in the second half, uh, ensuring that, the, like like I said, played in the right areas of the pitch and, and, and played with John Cooney, I thought was incredible and, and hats off to him. And, this is the start, or another step, should I say, in an incredibly exciting career. And finally from me, can you build from that second half? Can you replicate what you did? And you have a good test coming up next week to, to start doing that, I guess, Connacht away. Yeah, like, we, we, we've been trying to play like that in the second half. It's more frustrating about the first half, why things didn't go our way in the first half. Why didn't we play the way we wanted to play? However, Is that because of the late switch in venue and all that? No, like... 
everyone will say, if you ask anyone in Argentina, they will say that shouldn't have an effect. Does it? I don't know. Like it's, it's probably a, not a quantitative effect, but more qualitative. And, and it's, it's how how players react to that change in change in um, circumstances. And it's the same as last week as well. Um, if you look at the first half performance we played against Leinster, who are one of the best teams in Europe, like the second half performance we played out there, one of the best teams in Europe. Like, like we know we can do it. It's we're probably just talking the 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 last last few inches of our journey. Munster head coach Graham Rowntree said he was proud of his side following yesterday's 17 points to 6 win over Northampton at Franklin's Gardens. Gavin Coombs scored two first half tries before Munster dug deep to keep the Premiership side at bay in the second period. After the game, Calvin Nash spoke to Munster Rugby TV. I'm sore now, but tired. Uh, second half was quite demanding. Like, uh, didn't really have much ball, but geez, delighted like, to come away with the win. It was like... Uh, Really important win for us, and yeah, we're all delighted. Yeah, there's a good buzz now because, like, we obviously talked about it being a really big game for what way our season's going to go. And uh, look, we're just all delighted to get the, the win. Like, I'd say they were in there 22 for for most of that second half, and uh, geez, I'd love to see the penalty count. I'd say it was high numbers, and I'd say first time three three backs have been in the bin as well. So, look, it was. It was tough conditions, it was a tough game and I'm just delighted like, to get the, the win. Like, with people going into the bin, like, we're always going to look at that. Like, but uh, we'll just have to look at it and see what, uh, what comes out of it and look, we'll learn from it. Like, Europe is over for a while and we'll look to Leinster in the next game and just keep learning from everything that we've done in the last few matches. Jack O'Donoghue and Lewis Ludlam were sin-binned for a scuffle yesterday while Munster also spent part of the second half without Craig Casey and Joey Carberry due to respective yellow cards. Speaking on this morning's OTBAM, Alan Quinlan felt referee Pierre-Baptiste Nushi got things badly, badly wrong yesterday. I think the referee was shocking for both sides. Um, I don't think he was making decisions to kind of penalise one or the other at any time and even at that time. Just lost control. Yeah, and it got, it got dangerous. It got narky yeah. and the row that happened was... was. Did he deal with the scrap properly? Like No. I think Dave Ribbons caught John Ryan around the neck. John Ryan, ge- genuine, there was two, there was two guys kind of... Yeah, yeah, two guys scru- um, um, fighting or pushing or shoving with Jack O'Donoghue, Ludlam and... That's where it started, and then uh, and Augustus to number eight, and then Dave Ribbons joined the second row. He's a big man. John Ryan just kind of walked in to kind of separate guys, and he gets an arm around his neck. He gets launched onto the ground, and he has two of them. They're they're putting the elbow down his neck. Yeah. Um. He's getting kind of this down and straight into the face. That really, really is wrong. What happened there? And he was an innocent bystander. He didn't run into the no. join in kind of going punching. He was actually breaking it up. Um, That's in a red card. For me, I think Dave Ribbons was shocking what he did. The way you gra- to grab a player around the neck like that with an elbow, he's defend. His hands are down by his side. He's not throwing punches. I think it was absolutely disgraceful what he did there. The Jack O'Donoghue, Ludlam, people can defend themselves there, but there's two of them on one there as well. And, and Jack yeah. O'Donoghue, like it's, he did it. He didn't handle that. Matt Proctor runs from about 30 yards, launches straight in on top of Keith Earls. Keith Earls is, was joined it, but he's getting somebody off his yeah. player. Um, so Proctor, Matt, Matt Proctor, Proctor should have got a yellow card as well. Straight away, I spoke to referee yesterday and he said, first thing I would have done was I would have binned 13 from Northampton and say, you're gone, now I'm going to have a look at it. Because the yeah. way you joined that, it's there's no point even having a chat about it. You're gone, yellow card. And... 
I think Ludlum and Ribbons, Ludlum felt a bit, um, that, you know, you're, you're scragging guys there, but when you join in, when it's two on one there, and like John Ryan is pinned onto the ground on his back, like, Dangerous. and only Mike yeah. Haley joined in, yeah. you know, they're choking him practically. So look, um, I think that was wrong, but the ref for both sides, in fairness, he got the first probably 20 minutes of the game right, and I'm not saying all these decisions, but I think he panicked. Munster could have had more people in the bin. So for any listeners, I'm not saying he, he screwed Munster here. No. I just think Definitely. he lost control. He Some of the decisions for both sides were like, oh my God. Now the worst kept secret in English rugby is out finally with Steve Borthwick succeeding Eddie Jones as England head coach. The now former Leicester head coach has signed a five-year contract with the RFU. Speaking at today's unveiling, RFU CEO Bill Sweeney said discussions to replace Jones with Borthwick had been ongoing prior to England's disappointing autumn. My first conversation with Leicester was back in August of this year. Uh, so uh, there's, there's, there's nothing surprising, if you like, about this. Um, b- before every tournament, we have a preview, and after every tournament, we have a review in terms of how it's gone and are we on track, are we, are we, are we delivering against the strategy we've put in place in, in terms of how the team performs. And, uh, and, and clearly over, over the autumns, that was a disappe- uh, disappointing autumns, and, and we didn't get the results we wanted there. Uh, and hence, we had a review process, and uh, we decided that we wanted to accelerate the process and get... Steve uh, uh, in as soon as we could. Um, we've talked about his credentials. He knows England inside and out. He knows an England style of playing. Um, uh, his, uh, uh, the journey he's been on since finishing as a player, coaching, he's got international uh, experience, he's got top-class club experience, and he's been successful all along the way. So we felt, uh, as I said before, um, going back some time now, our number one lead choice for the successor uh, was always Steve. And Borthwick couldn't hide his pride at his new gig. To be appointed into this role uh, fills me with incredible pride and I'm honoured to take on this on this job. Now, I know that pride will count for nothing if we don't deliver. Uh, I want to shape a team that wins. I was, I was a little boy who fell in love with rugby watching the England team play. I want to shape a team that this nation gets behind, that inspires our supporters and inspires lots of young boys and girls to fall in love with rugby as I did all those years ago. We've got a lot of work to do and we're going to start that work today. The former Bath and Saracens lock was asked what his priorities are in his new job. 47 days I think it is. 47 days till we play Scotland here at Twickenham and the start of that Six Nations. Um, what are my priorities? Well, the right now, as you look at the autumn series, I don't think England are ranked in the top three in any one particular facet of the game. So there's plenty of things we've got to work upon. There's plenty of things we've got to get right. The thing that keeps resonating in my head, it's actually, I'm going to go back to when I was a player, and it is when the team was coached by Clive Woodward. And actually the thing that always sticks in my head was in every single meeting, he had these posters on the wall, and I was, just, I was 20, 21. And on that first poster, the poster he always referred to in every meeting was brilliant basics. And he said, you've got to be brilliant at basics. Every meeting. So we've got a lot of work to do. But first and foremost, what we've got to do is part of that. We've got to be brilliant at the basics. Come that first game in 47 days' time.
Borthwick takes Leeds rugby league great Kevin Sinfield with him into his coaching staff as defence coach. Sinfield joined up with Leicester earlier this year, helping them win last season's Premiership. And Borthwick explained his importance to the England camp. I'm delighted Kevin's joined us. Um, that's that's the first the first step. If we want to, in in any of the the best teams I've played in, and and the best teams coached, is you have a team where the players work so hard for each other. It's never perfect. They cover for each other, they help each other, they celebrate with each other, they, they lift each other up when you get knocked down. The teammates, they're so, so tight. Now, if there's a person that embodies that ethos, just the most, Kevin Sinfield does that. Just the type of person you want in your environment. Now, he is, Kevin is a top quality coach. He's an incredible coach. I think he's an even better human being. France women's head coach Thomas Darak has stepped down after just eight months in the job. The 45-year-old led France to a third-place finish at the World Cup, having taken over from Anik Ayro after the Six Nations. Darak cited family reasons being behind his decision to resign, but a review into their World Cup performance was also due to be completed this week. There had been rumours of dressing room discontent at the World Cup due in part to Darak. He'll be succeeded in the interim by his coaches David Ortiz and Gael Mino. And finally, hundreds of people gathered today in Melrose to remember former Scotland great Doddy Weir at his memorial service. He died last month at the age of 52 after that six-year battle with motor neuron disease. Jill Douglas is CEO of the My Name's Doddy Foundation, which he launched to help raise funds to fight the illness. And she says Weir was an inspiration. He felt a responsibility to use his voice, use his profile to shine a light on MND. And he certainly did that. And I think the, the awareness that he raised around the disease was incredible. But what he also did was inspire thousands of people to help him, to help the foundation. That's it for today's Rugby Daily. Don't forget to subscribe to the OTB Rugby feed and to leave us all of your positive feedback as well. My name is Richie McCormack and I will have more Rugby Daily for you tomorrow.